you can just be like, ah, that's right here now. <laughs> you could like jump up and down if you wanted. <laughs> just take I, it I, with you. I would love to say that I'd never do that, but jump up and down. Yeah, during recording, because <laughs> I'll freak out and go, no. <laughs> Johnny gets excited. This is gonna be fun. Wait, an excitable person, especially lists. List Johnny is a whole other Johnny. Lists Johnny. He is the human version of Nash. Of Nash? Of a husky golden retriever. Holy <laughs> shit. Johnny is a human version of a hyper puppy. Yeah. That is what I That's... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I should be like, hell yeah, or I'm a little offended. <laughs> oh, wow. We figured right. you out, Johnny. Let's uh, take a shot. All right. Let's do this. Let's do this. Cheers, my friends. Salud. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Music and Brews. My name is Johnny Varekin, and we are here and having another interview today, which is going to be exciting. Woo! And, as always, my co-host, Brian Michael. What up? How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm tired. You're tired? Hey, I'm how about... Tired. You know, I've been ripping up floors and stuff. <laughs> you, what, what? Partying is so that hard? A, is that a euphemism? I don't know. <laughs> like, I've been ripping that... up floors. <laughs> In this house. I'm going to say that anytime someone comes over. I've been ripping up flows in this house. That sounds good. I like it. I, I guess. That's like... <laughs> it sounds like you're preaching. Oh, man. Anyways, we're here with a guest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Introducing uh, Mr. J4. Hey, guys. What up? How's it going? Good. <laughs> ripping up floors, you apparently. Yeah, you rip up some floors? <laughs> That we're, up floors. That's just how, like, this is, uh, like, the way that we do it. That's how we party down, is we just rip up floors. We don't blow the roof off. <laughs> just dragging them off. Ooh, <laughs> new t-shirt idea. Music and Rip, brews. Ripping, ripping up, up floors, floors since 2018. <laughs> <laughs> that's stupid. But also, I love it. And we're yes! Gonna, we're going to get the, get guys, the design guy. That's going to be on our next t-shirt for sale? I don't know. We don't even we're have a store a or anything. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. Oh, Lord. So anyways, how you doing, J4? I'm doing great. Is that a legal name? Yeah, it is not a legal name. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you can't, apparently, you can't have a number in your legal name. So. Well, you could be J4, like F-O-U-R. Yeah, true. I mean, I J4. guess that would be the, the legal J-A-Y-F-O-U-R. Or J-A... His name could be J space 4. You know, like F O R E, or like a, like a hyphen, or underscore, underscore. Yeah. You want to get old school? Don't forget about the underscore. Uh, Hashtag J four. No. J four sings. <laughs> I don't think si- if numbers don't work, then symbols then probably symbols won't don't work, work either. either. Okay. I I still have my old Hotmail uh, email, and it yeah. does have the underscore. And I'm like, that is so <laughs> like course. back in the day. It was like you, gotta, you had to have an underscore in there do it. to yep, be cool. So awesome. Back in the days of MySpace, when we had MySpace, I yep. had J I V underscore Wandis. So it was J4 underscore on what? my... Yeah. Nice. That's uh, awesome. Oh, Where did the name J4 come from? Well, my legal name is Joseph Wandis the Fourth, And mm. so my parents, ever since I was I a kid, it. just called me J4. And so they'd be, you know... So you just go yeah, by it. They just go by it. So See, I've just been called cool. J4 by everybody. Yeah. Oh, See, awesome. I, I like... When you told me that, I liked that it was like something that's part of your daily life rather than you being like, you know, I'm going to take this name on. It's like, nope, this is literally what people call me. Yeah, no, I it's, it's not a right. stage name. Yeah, yeah. It's not of, like a fake name yeah. or anything. A lot of people, that's cool. you know, really think it's a stage name, but it, it, it is really my real name, J4. Yeah, I love that. Just what I go by. That's cool. 
Well, well um, before we get in, yeah. what are we drinking? It is music and brews. After all, let's talk about brews. Is it? Yes. Wait, what was our, our the sister podcast? Do you remember from last week we talked about it? It was called uh, uh, Joints and Jams. D- Jams Joints. and Joints. That's what it was. That, that's the Joints stoner version that's of gonna our be show. The, from Colorado, right? <laughs> <laughs> Based out of Colorado. Oh, yeah, I know someone in Colorado. I'll tell them to start that podcast. Well, make sure that they, they give us credit. Right. We'll, we'll do a side by side. We're going to take all the proceeds from it. Of course, because we make so much money <laughs> off of this podcast already. <laughs> we definitely make money. <laughs> uh, so today I decided to buy, I, I was telling them that I went to the store uh, to go get beer, but last night I got a little too drunk on accident after work. And so I was like, you know, I want something nice and light, easy drinking, just to relax. And I got Stella. Stella. Oh, Stella. Yeah. It's, it's a nice thing. easy beer. Yeah. I like it. It's good with meals too. Yeah. Okay. Like I love eat, drinking Stella with meals. Well, with hey, your Stellas. Cuz it's just like we're passing around koozies. Oh yeah. Thank you very much. J4 brought a guest. Oh, yes. yes. I, I forgot that we Say hi. Hi everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Who's your guest, J4? This is Katrian Vanderbeck, my girlfriend. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Yeah, Sorry we don't have a mic for you. No, it's okay. Just talk loud. I always do. She does. <laughs> I don't know if you can talk louder than Johnny, but... Right oh, now, she I'm can t- talk I'm pretty, loud. I'm pretty tame right now. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, what are you me, drinking? Johnny always brings the boring beer. I do. <laughs> no, no. All right, so just recently I went to a festival called Exit 111, which is like metal. and which is So I've been doing country music for a long time, yeah. and, but I used to be in punk and metal bands growing up. So this festival came up, a bunch of bands that I used to listen to. I was like, let's go. I told my fiance, let's, I'm taking you to a metal concert. And so we went, and it was a blast. Guns N' Roses headlined it. It was so cool. Anyways, they had this part where they it was like the craft beer swap. And so like you bring some, and then you swap with a bunch of people. And I ended up with like a bunch of cool beers. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it was super cool. <laughs> I had a awesome. fridge full of all different kinds of craft beers, and I drank them already. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have two. Sounds left. about right. And this one is from um, uh, Alabama. It's called uh, Straight to Ales, the brewery, and it's called uh, Stout at the Devil. Ooh. Oh, that's fun. Like Shout at the Devil. Yep. Good. Pretty and it's, cool. uh, l- let me see, wait, wait, is, it, is that got a picture of Motley Crue on it? Uh, that's just a little demon guy. Oh. Singing into I was kind of hoping it would be one of the Motley Crue guys. It totally works well with the concert that we were at. So it's an it's an oatmeal stout with coffee. Ooh. 7.8%. interesting. 7.8%. I think it's... Oh, that's... 7.8. All right, Brian. <laughs> we're like a wine toasty. <laughs> Huntsville, Alabama. That's what it is. Uh, I've never drank so much beer in my life in this that weekend. That <laughs> we were supposed to way. record the next day after, or two days after he came back, and he just like, I can't do it. I'm like, going to not right, drink man. for a few days because it was brutal. Mm. All right, moment of truth. Well, oh, yeah. First, how was it? It's... um. Really, really good. Oh, there you go. Tastes like coffee, and I'm not a fan of coffee. Oh, I love oatmeal stouts, though. They're they super good, so though. Good. Yeah. Uh, I wish I would have got the memo about the beer. I would have brought a just a, a pack of Sam Adams. I just, is, that's oh, your beer, yeah. Huh? yeah. So, you, so you mentioned this, and we made yeah. you, we, he was going to tell a story, and we're like, no, wait. <laughs> <laughs> tell the story later. No, tell us. Yeah. So the first beer I ever had when I was 21 was a Sam Adams, and I had it with my dad. And ever since, that's just my favorite beer to have, just a plain old Boston lager. That's cool. Yeah, and it's just it always has that special significance to me yeah. of my dad and the nostalgia, you know? Oh, yeah. for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it helps that it was a, like a good beer, too. Yeah. My, my first beer with my grandpa was a natural light. 
<laughs> and I was just like, how do you drink these every day, Grandpa? Like, these are terrible. <laughs> oh, no, that's pretty rough. That's like yeah, fraternity yeah. Except, level rough. Work. Except right. now they have the seltzer, as we've talked about a million yeah, times. Yeah, we've had oh. Natty Light seltzers on this podcast, <laughs> and they're both. And they're, they're, I, they're pretty good, I'll admit. We've had a lot of seltzers on this bar. All right. but So, let's get into it a little bit. Oh. So... <laughs> yeah, sorry. sorry. I, I caught you. He was like drinking. Caught me mid drinking. <laughs> it's always, mid it, it, like like it always like when the server comes and asks how the food is. It's always, always. right when you take a big ass bite. Yeah. And you're oh just yeah. Like, Shit. <laughs> uh, uh, so before we start getting into more detailed questions, give us a little background. So where are you from? Yeah, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. So just south of there. And then, uh, yeah. and so you were there. How long? That's like north. Western New York. Right? Yeah, that's like Western New York. So it's like Western. as west as you can get, like Lake Erie type of thing. A lot of trees and stuff. Lots of trees and lots of snow. Okay. Yeah. 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 You snow get eight months out of the year. Do you get it. a lot of people being like, "Oh, you're from New York," and they think like the city? Yeah, they they think that I'm either from New York City and have that sort of attitude or accent. Like, <laughs> oh man, but I'm yeah, I'm much more laid back than that. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. But yeah, Western. I don't know, York, man. You seem pretty abrasive. Yeah, I know. No. I'm so yeah, abrasive, man. Off mic, we're going to be like, you need to calm down. You got to really, like, let's pause this really quick. No. Uh, yeah. and, and so, how long So how long were you there? You I was there for about 15 years, and then I came down here for high school, um, down in Franklin, Tennessee, so oh. just south of here. Yeah. And uh, that's where I went to Centennial High School and um, really got into the whole music thing down here. Well, I was going to ask, so have you been doing music your whole life and then kind of got really into it when you got here or? Yes, that's exactly what happened. Um, I did music in church growing up, just singing in church, uh, doing that sort of thing. And then um, my dad got a great job down here. And so we moved down here my sophomore year of high school and I got to spend high school down here in Nashville. And I was planning on doing the whole music thing anyways. Mm. I was huge into musical theater as a kid. Nice. You know, then I you know, decided to move down here. And then I started performing at Tootsie's like pretty much daily. That really? Yeah. I was, I was a regular there playing about eight hours every single day. So, yeah. And this is during school. Yeah. this is, I was like 16. I, like, so Saturdays and Sundays I'd be doing eight hour shifts or 12 hour shifts at Tootsie's. Dude. Do you still do those at all? Singing? Yeah. Yeah. I still do them the occasionally. Not as much. Um, just because they, they definitely wear you down and vocally. Oh, yeah. It's... I don't know how you could sing that long. <laughs> I played there for a little while. I did one double once and I couldn't sing again for like a week. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it was crazy. To be honest, Tootsie's was awesome. Like the, the crowds were great and just the interaction was great. It's just the money you get on Broadway is not amazing, but that's just. How it is? Oh, we're gonna talk about that because I, I we we always talk about Nashville and all the the like little subtleties that people don't see or know. Yeah, you know, they think Nashville country music. Oh yeah, party whatever. But from this side of, of, of the state, it's completely oh, yeah. different. But uh, before we get into that, well, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get your input on that. So you started playing at Tootsie's, and you were you did high school, and then. I think I read, so you go to Belmont, right? Yep, I go to Belmont University right down the road from us. Oh, nice. I study commercial voice, um, and I do a minor in music business. So I, I, to... I graduated from Belmont, actually. Oh, really? What did yeah. you get? What did yeah. you study there? Composition and arranging. Nice. Yes, nice. indeed. School music. Wow. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I, I went there once. <laughs> <laughs> I visited. I, I looked inside, and I was like, ooh, this is pretty. Ooh. Was this like, is pretty, but very expensive. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a pamphlet of, of how much it was, and I was like, I think I'll just 
I'm, I'm trying to go get my master's, and I'm like, all right, at these prices, I could probably get, like, one class a semester. That'll probably work. <laughs> and it all go t- goes towards the flowers. Yeah. Yep. It's a great, <laughs> it's an awesome Pretty school. Pretty much. I, it is a gorgeous Actually, school. how many people have we talked to on this podcast that goes to Belmont? Like three? Or when? More than that. Gotta be four or five. I don't think so. Or so. Some that went, or that was a good amount. Going. Yeah. Good amount. Oh, man, that place. I love that place. Uh, and how are you liking it so far? Oh, I absolutely love Belmont. I mean, it was probably the best move of my life to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, my freshman year, obviously, as every freshman is, you know, sort of lost and dumb freshman, you know, um, in their existential crisis that they go through. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, sophomore year, it started to get a little bit more solidified as to what I wanted to do and really the performing and artist thing. And then yeah. now I'm like, it it's helped me hone in not only on my style, just on me as a person. Yeah. You know, and just really has helped shape me. So and that's exactly what a college needs to do. Yeah. That, that's awesome. That's why I don't know who I am. <laughs> Brian <laughs> is constantly like lost. <laughs> who is, am I? I mean I would Why am I here? Constant existential crisis. <laughs> I'm going nowhere. <laughs> uh the the reason why uh Oh no no what was I gonna say? Oh Yes, <laughs> you say that as a joke, but when he turned 27, I was there for it, and you I would did. have thought that I he was crisis. like dying, because he's just like, what am I doing with my life? I'm like, you're 27, <laughs> you're fine. Yeah, you still have time, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I'm good now. You went through it. But, oh, that's funny. So, uh, all right, so a couple questions here. Yeah. One second. Sorry, let me look through. You're good. Uh, so you said that you're playing in church a lot. So how did that being somebody i grew up in church mm-hmm. I, I grew up uh, with a with a missionary family um and and so how did playing at church constantly help develop your skills yeah that's a great question i um back in high school when we first came down we messaged about 15 to 20 different churches in franklin and only one of us, them got back to us which was new river fellowship in franklin and um the pastor there was jack mooring and that was the son-in-law of michael w smith and i didn't know that at the time until i went there and i saw michael just sitting in the front row and who's that michael w smith he's a christian artist who has like a billion and a half dove awards and a grammy christian artist yeah huge christian artist okay yeah yeah really okay (laughs) yeah he's a daddy daddy. wouldn't that be jesus True. I mean, <laughs> he's more like grandfather. He's like, <laughs> Jesus, the son, of, oh, the really. son that is also the he's grandfather. The son uh, of Christian. That's true. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I joined the uh, the worship group there pretty much the first week because I, I my church experience growing up was Baptist, like Southern Baptist style. So it was like sing the hymns, ah, uh, sort of thing. But like, like how, ah, uh, <laughs> like that, you know, uh, no. <laughs> But <laughs> I went to Catholic church where the hymns were like, Ooh. yeah, no. <laughs> angelic wait, wait. choir in the background, yeah, yeah. the organ. Great. Anyways, but yeah, no, it, it was so different going in there and seeing everyone just so excited and happy and just having a fun time just worshiping. And so it was so different of an experience there. So I, um, so I uh, joined the worship group there, started playing electric guitar, and then eventually worked my way up to actually leading worship for the youth group. And that was awesome. so much fun, just working with the kids and, you know, being 17 and being sort of like a counselor to them and just, yeah. you know, talking to them. 
And uh, it's given me the opportunity to work with Michael W. Smith, to work with like with artists such as Leland and other Bethel artists. It, it's been absolutely awesome. I gotta say, music integrating music in church really uh, it brings it to this other level. It's oh, like because yeah, because uh, I've been like growing up in Catholic churches there. There was music like in between every once in a while, but it, that was honestly my favorite part of going to church as a kid oh. was listening to the music every time it started playing. Well, it's probably huge at the Catholic church because you got those huge pipe organs, right? You got right? the huge you know? pipe organ, and then everyone <laughs> sings. But yeah, uh, that was always my favorite part. And then I went to I there was this the girl I was dating at the time went to this Christian church where they had like the full band, like a full band up there with drummer and guitar and bass, and and it was a huge part of the the service like yeah. they're playing music the whole time and i was like this is so cool it brings it to this whole other level and um i don't know where i was going with that but yeah. uh, we did we did, did it looks like that seven point point eight it's stout it's getting to you already yeah. <laughs> no. well yeah we we would do a full hour of worship and the the oh sermon would only be a half hour thing so like it yeah would just right because everyone was so into the music aspect yeah. you know that's when people would actually worship because people were connected to the music. Because it connects you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. And that has definitely had a huge impact on my music. Um, particularly Jack Mooring had a big impact. He's the son-in-law of Michael. And he um, he told me one day when I was leading um, and singing a song, he said, your highs have to be high and your lows have to be low. Yeah. When you're talking about dynamics. Because you're when you're leading people, you there are those quiet, tiny moments where people have that intimate feeling, and then there's a, these huge, giant, like, massive moments. And so you want those to be present in your songs, regardless of what style you are. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're carrying over those mm-hmm. things you learned in Christian music, too. And then, so even ju- not even just with the music and lyrically, but you practically learn a lot that you're, you're oh. applying right now, then? Yeah, I mean, in terms of my playing ability, like, mm-hmm. I barely knew how to guitar how to guitar oh hey currently he's learning to talk he got guitar first and now he's working on the talking but yeah no i barely knew how to play guitar at that time and you know by the time i was done with new river fellowship about a year ago was when i stopped performing there um yeah it was i learned so much that's awesome and just about layering and how to work with other musicians it's it's such a learning experience yeah oh yeah That's well great. you so you guys just told me that you produce all of your own stuff yes um, i'm completely self-produced i do it out of my house in hendersonville actually so it's an interesting thing to get that to get that industry type sound out of you know such a tiny studio yeah yeah you don't need a lot honestly that's what i've always i like what like when you're younger, I mean, I say younger, but I mean, like, five years ago, I'd be like, oh, we need this big thing, this thing. <laughs> yeah. But then you, you see these guys making these amazing songs with, like, the computer and a keyboard, and you're just like, all right, cool. Well, yeah, well, the, with technology growing and stuff. Well, we talked about Charlie Puth, yep. who did his whole Oh, that's right. Album. You told me about that. Yeah. That's so good. Oh, <laughs> his self-produced album's awesome. It's so good. Oh, my God. Well, AJR does the same thing. Do, do they? You know them? Yeah, they, they they record everything in in, in their like apartment in New York. Yeah, yeah, or something. That's so something crazy. Like that. I'm like, oh gosh, that's so much. Uh, <laughs> like I, that is one thing that I've I've tried doing this, like my own studio work, and I'm like, I just and I don't got that year for it. So it's it's really impressive that your whole out al- or your current singles 
are really well produced and yeah. i'm just like oh that's so good well, i appreciate that yeah, yeah. um yeah, that's what I was saying. We're going to get to that because, uh, so right now you currently have two singles out. Yes. The first one, the debut one was uh, Two Front Seats, and I released that in July. And yeah. then Thinking About You, which I released in September. So, oh, yeah. Just, just so a little just bit ago. Really so what are you doing? Are you releasing like a song at a time? Or yeah, I'm releasing one song at a time until April. Um, that's when the EP is going to come out. Mm. I think um, that's smart. I think so I'm sort of taking a slower approach towards it because I've still got, I mean, this is my senior year of college. I've got my entire year to sort of plan it out and, yeah. you know, tour off the back of the EP, hopefully. Oh, for sure. I, I think, um, too, people's attention span is so short. <laughs> well, if you yeah. release the whole thing all at once, people would be like, oh, cool. And then it'd, and they're gone. gone. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> so one the, at a time. The like... industry in general is just moving towards singles. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially sure. with the introduction of like EDM into pop. That big crossover with the the whole marshmallow collabs and everything just taking over the charts and that whole thing. I I mean, and Billie Eilish and all that. I mean, that has all been huge on bringing singles into the front of, you know, the music industry, I think. Yeah. Rather than EPs. I guess I haven't really paid attention to that, but that is true. Yeah. Well, it's sort of this trend that's sort of been happening because people's attention spans are getting shorter. Yeah, I think the internet in general has made that happen because people get information this fast Mm -hmm. and then you hear music everywhere right so back in like the 90s before you would to listen to music usually you'd buy a cd you'd go to a store and you'd listen to the whole cd effort into it right now it's like music 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 just (laughs) constantly at your face and you're like everywhere like hey let me listen to the song okay cool next one and you're just like next one that's that's what people want that's crazy it's a high output but like we were saying earlier, being able to produce on your own, it's not like you have to rely on a label currently no, yeah. mm-hmm. to be like, all right, this is when you're going to record. You could like make your music now and release it and go, yeah, which and is the, super cool. The beauty of being an independent artist in this age is like you don't you have full control over your, over your music. Yeah, you have f- full control over the sound that you want, so you get to express yourself in that way. Do you uh, do you like being an independent artist? Is do you are you like, would you rather be signed? I don't know if that's a weird question, but <laughs> I love the I love the fact of being an independent artist who's self produced. But if I was signed, I would still want to be self produced and really or at least co produced and have a you know, big part in the sound of the music. Right. Because I think that's really where my heart is, is in the music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Itself. Yeah. I find that interesting because uh we we were just had a discussion with a with an earlier guest where uh so I'm, I'm gonna uh, like I'm curious to the balance of it because an yeah. artist a lot of the times uh, has all these ideas, but a producer reins them in or pushes them forward depending on what's good or needs to be refined. So, do you have a, any challenges ever of like trying to figure out your own production on the music? Being your producer, do you have people that help you, or do you just have like do you have a, a, an intuition of it? Well, what do you feel there? It's a combination of things. I do spend a lot of time on my productions, and I go back and forth between ideas so much. Um, it it sometimes just bounces back and forth between, do I want this? Do I want this? Do I want this? And suddenly, you know, you've spent eight hours on one song, you know? Well, even think about Iridescent. Yeah. Like, recently. Even Iridescent. Full it, giant yeah, the, the name of the song, the EP is Iridescent. And the song itself is, you know, this storytelling, you know, 
it's telling the story of love from different shades of and colors. So it's oh, just like wow, the word I iridescent. Love that. Yeah, yeah. So it was crazy. And awesome. so each awesome. one has a different color to it. And originally, I was going to do it this huge production with orchestra and drums and everything full pop production right and then i was thinking to myself what if it was just string quartet with piano and then i just soloed all that and i was like i like it as string quartet and piano and then i was like but what if it had drums and it's just like you go back and forth well and then you add the electric guitar and you're like "Ooh, now it's rock you know interesting what one of our very first episode we did was benefits of co-writing and one thing that we kind of concluded on that, which wasn't on our favorites, but this is a good point. Yeah, we didn't talk about that, that at all. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, co-writing is really important because you get opposing ideas and you're able to expand. Yeah. But the point that I think I made at one point, because I like writing by myself too, was it's okay to do that, but you need to go back and question everything oh, you're yeah. doing. Do you, you know, is that something that you're... I completely agree. Actually, all the songs on the album are co-written. Ooh. Oh, okay, um, great. Which That's is... Cool. So they're co-written but self-produced. They are co-written but self-produced, nice. yes. Um, and I do get a lot of input from my master mixer, Joey O'Brien, and I get a lot of input from that lovely lady over there, Katrine Vanderbeck. <laughs> so I do get a lot of input from the people around me who work with me to put out the music. Well, a lot of it also, the, the making of a lot of the music happens in live performances. We've talked oh. about that in the past. Yes, yeah, sometimes Katrian or Delaney our background vocalist, she'll add something that neither of us even thought about and suddenly it becomes an immediate hook of the song. So the the BGVs in Thinking About You, for example, those ooh, those. Yeah, I do remember yeah, that actually. That's sort of like a little hook of the song and that was just completely on the fly when oh, I was really? performing at Belcourt Taps one time. Just that's completely, cool. we were doing a feature set and Katrian and Delaney had just decided... Okay, we're just going to do this. Oh, I love that. And so sometimes it's just on-the-fly things at these songwriter rounds around town. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Sorry, I'm just kind of like, all right. Yeah, that's great. Honestly, I like, I just don't play out ever, ever. It's not my not something I like to do. So but like, so I always miss out on that kind of stuff. Where, but I find that interesting mm-hmm. just because it's like, on like half of the time, things that, that happen in the moment, because it gives you that feeling. You're like, ooh. I feel like this would work rather than being in the studio. You're cooped up and you're just trying to think of something. Whereas something that's part of a feeling, oh, it, it just enhances the song like crazy. Well, that's why, like, even with me, I sometimes get the most inspiration when I go and see a writer's round, and I'm like listening to all these. That's what's so great about being in Nashville is you're around. There you go. <laughs> is you're around all of these super talented people, yeah. and well, I guess you could do one of two things. It could either make you sad because there's so many talented people <laughs> true which happens to some people that, that right? happens and to they, the best and, of they, us. and they move some of those people they move away because it's it's hard because it's so much but but for other people like like even with me like i get inspired every time i go out and i hear this an amazing song i'm like god i need to write a song like that mm-hmm. it gets me so pumped i just being around like-minded people uh really inspires creativity i I completely agree i think a lot of people play the comparison game and they really don't have to right it's Um, hard it's hard not to it's definitely hard it's so hard not to just be like oh but they're here i'm here (laughs) yeah i mean we all have to scale our own careers yep and 
you know, I can't say that I'm at the same point as Adele, you know, that would just be, you know, <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Would, yeah, you know? At that point, you're really hurting, your, you're hurting yourself at that yeah. point. <laughs> so, I mean, you, you sort of have to be honest with yourself and say, you know, this is where I'm at, but I can always grow and there's always room for growth, regardless of where you're at. Even if you are Adele or yeah. like Ariana oh, yeah. Grande, you can grow. And so everyone can grow in their songwriting. Well, Especially I, from these songwriting rounds around town, you can hear all sorts of different stuff. Gosh, yeah, no, well, I, I work at a bar that thankfully always has a songwriters round, and it's uh, Alley Taps. So you get to hear it all the so time. Constantly, I'm hearing. You've played there a couple yeah, I've played there a few times. That's I might have awesome. seen you already. And you probably yeah, have. We were all, I remember, it's happened a couple times on this podcast already. Where I'll be like, "Oh, hey, it's you." I heard you a bunch. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it happens. Uh, but yeah, the music that they put out, you're just like. Dude, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So, so I have a question leading out of this. Uh, no, we're going to skip your question. Go back to me. Okay. <laughs> Johnny's an asshole. You'll learn this. Um, I'm a sassy, <laughs> sassy speaking, bitch. Being like. in Nashville uh, around other writers and stuff, you've written with some pretty yeah. successful big time yeah. writers, I'd say. Um, how did those come about? Is that just from... So you've been here since high school. Mm-hmm. Is that something that's come to your advantage just being here so long and running into the right people i guess sort of um during high school i really didn't write with anyone else i sort of was in this mindset of i'm not going to co-write with anybody until about freshman year of college and that's when sort of i really had my awakening sort of during that existential crisis we talked about (laughs) earlier yeah i had that awakening of you know other people can have a really profound impact on your music and especially inviting other people into that creative space is like super impactful and so I started writing with a guy named Norm MacDonald, who I actually met at the Commodore Grill the when comedian? I was playing around. I wish it was the comedian. <laughs> no, I mean, Norm is an awesome yeah, guy. Man. He actually probably could do stand-up comedy. With... <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I started writing with him, and he said, oh, you should write with this writer I wrote with Jan Buckingham. And I didn't know who Jan Buckingham was. And so I, she, we played on a round together, me, Norm, and Jan, at the Commodore. And... I messaged Jan later and I was like, Hey Jan, can I write? I played on this round with you. Would you like to write with me sometime? And she said, call me, we'll set it up. And we set up a write. And that's when we wrote, uh, I think we wrote thinking about you. I think that was the first song we wrote. And so I started writing with Jan every Friday and it would just be my two to five every single Friday. That's great. Yeah. And learning from a person who has cuts with like Pam Tillis, Lee Greenwood, uh, number one with Whitney Houston. I mean, she knows her stuff, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's so. awesome. Oh, she oh is so awesome. So is it, uh, this has also been brought up, is it intimidating writing with someone like that, or did it help that you didn't really know? Did you really know? Well, with some people I didn't know. For example, Christy Mana, the one who wrote Austin by Blake Shelton. I wrote with her at Nashville Cool Publishing Company. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. I currently work as a track writer and a producer there for Nashville Cool Publishing. And oh, nice. They, are um, they cool? They are very cool. Oh, okay, sweet. <laughs> yes. Are they living up to their name? They are I'm definitely curious. living up to their name. Yes. Um, so I ended up working with this person named Kirsty, and I was like, okay, it's just another writer on the roster and so we're just gonna write (laughs) and here was just a she brought me in as you know to write with her and it was the person who wrote austin by blake shelton and i was not intimidated but i was sort of surprised yeah you know um most of these people who are very very successful writers 
aren't intimidating. They're very friendly. Hmm. They're yeah. very nice, and they genuinely care. Like, they'll ask about your day, like, randomly before they even care about themselves. Like, they're not up a, in their own head. I think that's a songwriter trait. Mm-hmm. There's no egos in songwriting. Because you like. know you're in the behind the scenes. Right. Like, because, you're just okay with it. Yeah, to be a songwriter, you can't have an ego. Because if you had an ego, you would be the artist. <laughs> no offense <laughs> to artists, but that's part of being an artist is to have an ego. Because yep. you have to have that. It's like, yeah. you got to know you're amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, that was a, that's part of what was so hard for me being an artist, too. Because I was just like... I don't want to post about my day. Like, I don't care. <laughs> and you're also self-hating, so, you know. Right, I hate myself. Yeah, I know you do. Who am I? Existential <laughs> I crisis. Oh no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, so if you're writing with so many experienced songwriters, what has been some of the, uh, the, the uh, uh, what do you call it, um, Things that you've learned. Keep yeah, up. some of the things <laughs> I've like, learned. The, the things, yes, the, the that you've learned. Man, you're really thing. liking that Stella, aren't you? <laughs> Johnny <laughs> is also learning to talk. Yeah. <laughs> did, yeah. they, did, they, <laughs> did you learn guitar? With yeah, did you talk, learn did guitar? Did you talk, yeah, things? Oh, Come on, Johnny. Johnny. This is great. I, I am not doing We good. actually host a podcast, believe me. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but no, I, I did talk. learn a lot from... Jan and from a few others, there's a, from Jan in particular, I learned that sticking to the form, the standard form of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, you know, we all hear it all the time. Though it may be mundane and sort of ordinary, it's what everyone's used to. And so finding creativity within those bounds is sort of a unique thing that Jan brought to me. Um, Another great one is John Goodwin, the one who wrote with Michael McDonald and wrote a hit for Brad Paisley. He's uh, a guy I worked with through Nashville Cool Publishing, and he is absolutely out of the box, write whatever you want, sort of, you know, paint the walls sort of thing. That's cool. So both and sides of the spectrum. So, you know, there, there are songwriters who are really within the bounds, yeah. and then there are songwriters who are successful just by being unique and doing stuff completely out of the bounds. Right. And so I've written with these songwriters and written completely opposite songs. But just... that's, that's how new things are made. You know, yeah. you have to push the boundaries to like create new different things. I think that I think that's cool. Yeah. But totally. also, yeah, it's good to stick in the bounds if you just want a good solid song. See, I I, I always like the idea of uh, this isn't strictly and just in music, but like having a boundary that you have to be creative within this boundary usually brings out some of the coolest things that's a good oh, point yeah. and i was and that that i think this is such an interesting thing for a songwriter being like all right i'm gonna do a quote-unquote basic song but let's try to be really fun within it and see what what comes out that's gonna yeah. really impact people because mm-hmm. there is a reason why that is the i, I guess uh the, the the standard you know it works. Yeah, I mean, originally it was probably just because of the length of the songs yep. um, from the jazz standards, and then eventually it became more of a pop thing because people's attention spans, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. So why Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah, so, so now we're changing the episode. <laughs> Let's talk about what yeah. makes a sound good. We, we had <laughs> yeah, an episode where... We talked about what makes a song good. That was the we whole just episode. Stop talking. And we about kept getting around. to Bohemian Rhapsody because yeah. what the hell is going on in that song? 
It's like nine different genres. There's no chorus. It's yeah. the weirdest. But song every ever. single person in the world, they hear it. Even if they say they hate it, it's because it's overplayed. That's the only reason. Other yeah. than that, everybody loves it. That's a great song. It's such a good song. Anyways, <laughs> we should move forward. I think it's one of those things that's so out of the box and so different that you can't help but love it. Right. And it's talented. Oh, yeah. So much talent. Absolutely I mean, fantastic. It, it helps that he's an incredible singer and <laughs> yeah. songwriter. It's so, you can't get much better than Freddie Mercury, you know? No. Uh, oh, I want one more one more question then about the, still the, the songwriters because uh, you 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 were mentioning a little bit of what each writer was like and, mm-hmm. and how you guys wrote. Yeah. Is there anything practical that you learned that's really like they that that you can uh, solidify and say like this is something that they said that really helps? Yeah, there was one comment in particular that really changed how I approached songwriting sessions. And I I was writing at uh, That's a Hook Music Publishing BMG with James Breedwell, who has a bunch of cuts with America's Got Talent people. Uh, That's cool. And so he was talking to me, and he – and actually, James Breedwell is the guy who I co-produced this song with. Uh, the, the, your yes. upcoming one the which is upcoming single speaking of because we we glossed over that or we didn't mention it when we were talking about your yes. ep coming out you have a new single coming yes, out i right? do have a new single coming out i will talk about that in a second all right but yeah when i was talking to him james was very particular about the language in which we use in a songwriting session and how you talk to your co-writer is actually really, really important to the end quality of the song. Hmm. And one day I was, because I used to say no. Like when I disliked a lyric or just didn't like something they would say, I'd just say no, I don't like that. Yeah. Or like I'd be very blunt and honest, and that's probably the New York. But, you know. <laughs> so you have a little bit of that. I probably have a, I mean, it's Western New York, so it's well, still like, my, it's like 30% New York. Well, yeah. my girlfriend does the exact same thing. That's why it always drives me nuts when I, when I write with her. I'm like, you can say things like that nicer you know yeah. like no <laughs> so ever since and then he just looked at me and he was just like don't say no to me yeah wow he called my you opinion out. yeah he called me right out and he was like my opinion matters too <laughs> and and he just was he got on me and ever since then i mean we still have an awesome relationship yeah. like we talk every single week we write almost every single week but he was very honest about it and blunt and he said you know this will make your songwriting sessions better i'm just trying to help you because if you don't say the word no, if you just avoid that word and just always be open to what your co-writer says, you'll always have a better co-write. That's oh, great. I love that. Love yeah. it. Another moment. Yeah. He has some good moments. I like that. That was a great piece of advice. That's cool. Oh. You can thank James at BMG. <laughs> thank you, James. Thank you, James. Thanks, James. <laughs> He'll listen, right? Everybody I'll listens, send it in. I'll send it his way. <laughs> Deal. Yeah, that's, that's that's a good that's a good bit. Um, you got something to? Or do you I do, to but I'm, I'm totally changed the subject. Is that all right? Uh, give me one more then. Um, so as of right now, can, can you describe the topics of the, your current two singles? Yeah. So the current two singles that I released, the first single was a very sort of straightforward summer song. I wanted to release something a little bit upbeat, not as you know heavy as some of the topics you can get into yeah. and so i wanted to release something just fun telling a you know simple story about two people driving down the coast of california you know in, in a corvette or just in a in a top-down car and just singing at the top of their lungs what? or in katrian's pontiac <laughs> okay i this... was gonna ask what it was yeah, it was she, a pontiac she had a... That was named pontiac solstice 
Solstice. Okay. I saw the. Uh, I won't nerd out about it. Nerd out. <laughs> just do it. Just do I, it. I know. I was like, oh, what kind of car is that? And then the. And then there's like a there's two pictures. One where it's like really close, and I was like, oh, convertible. And then it backs up, and you can see the front headlight. And I'm like, that kind of looks like that Pontiac. And I was like, no. Oh. It's a nice one. Sadly, she's no longer with us. But oh. oh, so sad. Yeah, we had to sell her for a mom car. But a mom car? Good. What's your mom car? My Nissan Rogue Sport. Hey, it's a sport. Yeah, it is. Something. It's something. It's something to figure, fit a guitar and a dog in. So it was kind of an issue with the convertible. That yeah. <laughs> Time on the back. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, in then, terms of the first single, that was just all it was about. It was, it was just a simple story, and that's all I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, and it turned out exactly as I wanted it to be. Um, thinking about you, the second one, which I wrote about, is about thinking about someone who's thinking about you. And it's sort of this concept of, I know that we like each other. And this, I mean, this is... Basically, me and Katrin's relationship in a nutshell. I know we like each other, but there's that disconnect, you know? She's one place, I'm another place, but I know that you're thinking about me, and I'm definitely thinking about you. So, Adorable. it's basically asking the question of, like, are you thinking about me? Because I'm thinking about you. <laughs> and it's just that simple. I mean, I, I like to tell simple stories, mm-hmm. and I like to tell them through the music in a simple way, but... At the same time, I really just try to have that impact through the story rather than, you know, some fancy music or some fancy lyric. I just really want the story to shine through. Nice. Yeah, the reason I, I was asking that specifically is because generally speaking, how do I put this? Because like, you can listen to everybody's music and gather what they like to sing about uh, or at the very least what they like to write about and what they, they generally tend to feel. And uh, current, with the people that we've had on the podcast, it's been very evident because we can straight up ask them what they generally write about. So, yeah, I mean, like, so you're so as what I've heard has been a little more uh, in the relationship love area. Mm-hmm. Is there like is that where you not not necessarily where you like to write, but like what's um, like like what's your favorite thing to write about? Is that like, like literally it or, or is there more? I like I definitely love a good love song. But I like a universal lyric. That's what I definitely like to write about. I like to write about universal things. They like to connect to people. Yes. Yeah. My whole goal is to connect. So right. All right. See, I like that. And so, well, no, I'm the EP. (laughs) The EP coming out in April is going to be all about seeing love from different perspectives. We all see it from different perspectives, and so I want to connect to people through each different song, even though it's all a very same singer songwriter pop genre. I still want it to tell those stories and people to connect to those stories. Right. And so Changes in particular, the single that's coming out in this Friday on October nice. 25th. October 25th. Yeah. Yes. We'll release this a little bit after. Yes. Sadly. It's totally fine. Well, then you'll be able to listen to it right now. Exactly. Yeah. Go you, listen to it right bit, now. You're gonna, or, but no, wait till after we're done. But you will get a chance to listen to it here in a little bit. Yes, you will. You will get an exclusive yes. acoustic version of it. However, the the recording we did is just, we did it raw, and we did it very simple because we wanted the story to come across more than anything else. And with the other two productions, as much as I love the story of them, and as much as I love listening to them and everything and the, the feedback I've heard from them, I really wanted to strip it down a little bit mm-hmm. and make it more basic and get back to the lyric. Yeah. 
Uh, my bad. Damn it, Brian. Oops. Uh, <laughs> you wrote think... a moment? I know. I really wanted to get down. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Um, giant explosion. <laughs> that was actually something we talked about, how, um, you know, sometimes the production can take away from the... Uh, could take away from the song a little bit. Yeah. So so I guess you're you're being a little more aware. Well, no, Which I, I mean, feel like is your producer think... side. That's yeah. literally your producer yeah, side yeah, yeah, working. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah, but but then again, I the, the first two singles you released, I thought it I thought it worked with those songs. I thought, you know, it made sense. Like you said it was like a fun summer song, so like the production of it matched I feel like the yeah, feel it, it, so. it was a it was a lighter production with sort of a pop beat element, but yeah, yeah, it yeah. still had that acoustic feel, right? Um, acoustic driven, and it sort of worked with that lightness of summer. And then getting into fall, releasing "Thinking About You" it was just a little bit heavier because you know it's it's definitely a heavy feeling when you know that you're about to enter into a relationship and you know that they're thinking about you. So it was definitely a heavier production, more uh, more basic pop driven. But I definitely think that my new, not a new direction, but the direction of this EP is more to get back to the lyric and get back to the story of these songs. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's cool. One of my favorite stories, sorry. I'm no, no, go thinking. ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. One of my favorite stories was, uh, you know, uh, Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. Mm. Um, I, was, I was watching a video of the, produ- the guy who produced and helped mix that song and he was saying how they did have like drums and guitars and stuff for that and he was like no just get rid of all of it so it's basically just a piano he said there are little things behind it but you can't really hear it it's just vocal and piano and that's like it for that song but like that's what the song needed you know i think that's like that's such an important thing about producing we like to give a little bit of advice to our songwriting listeners because i think that's a very important thing to remember that like sometimes less is what the song needs you oh don't, yeah you don't need to totally throw tons of stuff on and it. i mean look at um one of the hottest songs right now lewis capaldi someone you oh, love i literally was just, just a piano vocal i mean that's just a great example of how just something so simple can affect you so deeply yeah, yeah. well even and by what you're saying, less uh, like like is what it needs. It's it's funny because when you want to think like a big moment, you think like let's just throw like <laughs> fucking just chuck everything in there. Yeah. Whereas that that song is I literally just thought of it like five minutes ago because or the minute ago when he said that because I was like that song gets huge, but nothing changes. Just his yeah. vocal tone changes his is uh, the piano dynamics, but that's it. There's nothing added on. That's like yeah. whoa. Well, also. Uh, getting huge is is another <laughs> another thing oh I was thinking gosh. about. about it. <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> we are we are children, so we were we we're also another thing about Stella, getting huge. So, you know, um, uh, I was thinking about the we were talking about Billie Eilish. Yeah, a ago. Well, the, I feel like the huge part of this of that song is when everything drops out and it's the little bass riff. Yeah, and you're just like, and that's all there is is a bass and like a kick drum. And you're just like, oh, it's so big, but it, that's all it is. By the same thing, okay. Charlie Puth. Yeah, yes. the, 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 the you just want it to do, 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 you don't just, want my But I, 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 oh. I saw this. I saw this meme on a producer's meme the other day. I follow a hashtag. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna meme. follow that now. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's a good. Me- it's a good hashtag to follow. And it, uh, <laughs> it was 
guys got setups be looking like this and it's just a giant studio like ocean way size studio 120 channels but beats be sounding like this and it's a little uh four channel midi thing yep yeah. <laughs> like that's exactly what <laughs> pop music has been lately yeah yeah you don't really funny. need the whole studio as we yeah. said before <laughs> oh, God. yeah you don't need nearly as much as you think you need no that's cool and, yeah and i guess by that same thing that like like being creative with your constraints it's mm-hmm. usually comes out with some good stuff right which is why i think so many cool artists are coming out right now because people are recording in their little home studios so they're like i don't have all this st- stuff so i gotta do cool things which is why i think sorry gross i'm a mark there i'm i'm, I'm... I'm burped <laughs> just gonna mark the burp burp <laughs> burp moment burp um Oh, are that's you going to make I, it louder? Is that that's what you're why I, Yeah, I'm going to raise the volume, <laughs> compress it like crazy. Put some distortion, delay. <laughs> you're <laughs> talking on <laughs> <other>. the... <laughs> and, then, and then it's going to go... <laughs> oh, then it becomes a song? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> right in the middle of our whole podcast. Yep. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. I was trying to make a serious point. Um, I lost it. Oh, come on, my man. <laughs> Never mind. You were uh, talking about simplicity in production. Simplicity production. Yeah. Yes. Got it. So um, the uh, the people who are making music <laughs> in their home studios have to. Oh, that's where I was going. So the the there's a lot of like beats and stuff in modern mu- music all around. Like whether it's country, pop, whatever. There was a time where pop music was rock ish you know it's like but it's all changed yeah even actually in alternative rocks there's a lot of electronic sounds Mm -hmm. the reason i think that is is because people are writing in smaller spaces you people don't go to huge expensive studios anymore they have to write in a little space so they're like i write this song let me make a beat real quick and usually you pull up your program and make like a beat behind it and then you write music over that and i think that's where that kind of is coming from where it's just um, for the way people write, it's just it just makes more sense. So that's being integrated. Yeah, I mean, even at major publishing companies, I mean, personally, I'm a track writer for publishing companies, so I'm writing tracks a lot of the time. So I'll be in the room with a lyric writer and a music writer, and they'll they'll be writing, and I'll be tracking it while we're going along, and I'll oh, that's cool. give my input. But I'll be writing beats, I'll be writing you know chord progression stuff like that and sort of planning out how the song would look if it was on top 40 radio you know Mm. and so thinking about it from the moment of the conception of the song is sort of an important thing i think well oh that's so great we need to have you on for a topic yeah it'd be a great topic i think it has well because uh, so so, uh sorry hold on i got the question i got the question (laughs) so (laughs) by your own statement yeah, you, you start off with a beat and then you, you kind of build off out? of that. I am calling you out, you son of a bitch. No. Uh, yeah. So, how do you start building your layers to it? Do you just kind of start mapping out where do you normally start to start bu- building these tracks yeah, for when these I'm, top 40 hits? When I'm building a track for this sort of thing, especially, I'll, I'll give an example. So, for the cut that I have with Keshi, uh, she was an America's Got Talent mm-hmm. winner. And she, I got a cut on her debut album. And when I was building that demo, I was 
you know, I was obviously frantically building a demo because I had written the song Saturday and they wanted the demo by Monday. Oh, God. Because that's how it is. So Sunday, I spent the entire day slaving away over this demo and canceled all of my gigs. (laughs) Yeah, it was was an experience. Anyways, the way that I sort of built the track, I, I started off with my simple guitar riff that I had done in the session with the writer. So... Typically, some a lot of writers come in with their ideas, like their riffs and their vocalized ideas, and that'll be something great to put on the track. But once I get that down, the first thing I'm thinking is, what type of beat is going underneath this? Mm-hmm. What drive is this song going to have? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to have a drive at all? So that rhythm. That you're, yeah. You're thinking of the rhythm first. Because if it's if it's a really upbeat pop song, you're, you're pushing rhythm yep. the entire time. If it's even mod... But if you're writing a ballad, you know, your first primary concern is what am I putting on this? You know, is it going to be a piano vocal? Is it going to be a guitar vocal? And then once I get that basic layer down of just that, you know, percussion, that percussive aspect, then I typically add the guitar. And then in session when I'm track writing, I'll add the vocal and then I'll call it a day and move on. But I'll add usually a bass and electric guitar in as time goes on and whatever since I want to add. But in a in a session with a songwriter, I really think it's only necessary to have those beats, that acoustic or electric guitar riff, and the vocalist, because those are the three things that define the song really. Right. The rest they, is they production. Set yeah. The, the foundation. And, and so the else. rest is just me playing the rest of the instruments. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's cool. Which I'm assuming that being your job uh, yeah. like, helps so much with you being an artist. It definitely does, yeah. I can only imagine. <laughs> All um, right. So I want to ask about uh, 54. I want to ask about you singing background for Cage the Elephant? Yeah, I, yeah. Saw, I saw that. I'm so curious about that. Well, how, what is that? Casually in Tell the boilerplate bio, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I got the opportunity through a Belmont gig, and they asked oh. a few of us to go and sing background vocals, and I happened to have a good relationship with the the director who had received the email, Jane Warren, and so she asked me and a few others to go backstage and do it, and so, you know, within, I think it was two days beforehand she asked us, and she sent us the music, and so we went up there. And uh, I got to meet all of the members of Cage the Elephant. That's and, awesome. Um, and then I got to go backstage and sort of chill with them. They, and um, where was this? This was at the Ryman. The Ryman. the Ryman. So you were backstage at the Ryman. It was a fun time, yeah. I, I still have so a picture cool. of my little pass saying BGV on it. It's it's sort of cool. Wow, how cool. Um, and I, I think I still have that hanging on my wall. It's sort of like motivation, you know? Yep. Um, but that was a cool time. It, their songs call for a lot of weird stuff, like... I had to sing like a soprano-y sort of ethereal high vocal, you know, sort of thing. They they definitely... Yeah, well, Case the Elephant has never been known for being like, you know... Out of the box. Like, yeah. yeah, they're <laughs> you know, known for that. <laughs> to say the least. But it was definitely a huge experience, you know, seeing a packed Ryman Auditorium. And they did a... And it was a special acoustic set because oh, they were wow. recording a live album. And that was such a cool experience. So you're on the live album then? Yeah, technically. I, I haven't looked at it, but technically but you're I there. <laughs> I mean, I'm buried in the... I am there. <laughs> That's somewhere in there. Cool. That's so, awesome. <laughs> for anyone out there listening, I'm on the uh, the live album for Hell Cage the yeah. Elephant. That's right. That's so good. You may not hear me, but... BGB3. We'll find you in the mix. I've been an extra on the show Nashville, and I'm like, I was looking, and I was like, there I am, and I was gone. 
It was like the tip of my hat. It was kind of like the same. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to, except here you're like with your your ears just kind of like. like I think that was me. <laughs> that was it. I got it. No, no, wait. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, do you want to move to the next section? Probably. Hold on. Let me look through. You probably might want to make a note. One second. Nope. All right, we're just gonna leave this dead silence on it. Yep, dead air. We're gonna leave five minutes of dead air. Moment of silence for John. I'm looking for. (laughs) Um, I do have one thing I want to mention, but it's gonna be at the end. Yeah. Oh, I got one more question, and then we'll move on. So, you well, your vision of Nashville has to be so much different than most people's because you've been here. Since high school, so I mean, yeah. like, like I mean, that's a good enough time frame compared to a lot of people that are like here have been here like two years, you know, yeah. type of thing. Uh, and and not even to freaking mention, you played at Tootsie's for so long. Uh, what is what have been some of the, your your experiences with with like working downtown and stuff? Like something that that uh, somebody that's never been in Nashville would be like what they would experience, like the other side of. Yeah, you know, what it's like, like what it's like from, from your perspective. Yeah, that's that's a great question. Oh god. Um the I mean, a lot of people think that you're you know, some music star up on stage, you know, singing, especially they're they're drinking, they're having fun, they're enjoying themselves, but in reality you're getting paid ten bucks an hour. Mm. Yeah. At most usually. That's a job. That's usually how it is. And you know, you barely sometimes make tips. I mean, it, it's not a well-paying job. And there there have been so many musicians that I've worked with who have families and kids who, you know, can't make ends meet because they're trying to play 8 to 12 hours each night. Ooh. And it's seven days a week, 12 hours, and they can't make ends meet. And, you know, imagine working that much. You're working almost like 80 hours, 84 yeah. to be exact. Yeah pulling triples every single day and so the the back end of that type of work is definitely hard in the end for a lot of people it's definitely worth it for me it i definitely grew as an artist a lot it definitely led me to who i am now um but i'm glad that i've sort of moved away from that and sort of have started focusing on finding other means of performing putting on my own shows rather than you know, performing at these types of venues because the tourism thing is great. And Nashville playing the tourist is awesome. I love going downtown and having fun and partying and, you know, that whole thing. But I also have seen the other side and it's, there's, there's some dark stuff. And, you know, in another, in another time I could talk hours about how the things that I've seen on Broadway, you know, but um, but the bottom line is it's definitely darker than people think. Um, <laughs> and oh, yeah. you'd be surprised. So oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, that's not great, but your answer is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's all dark and, and terrible. That's awesome. Oh, I, not love it. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's dark and terrible. I would definitely just say it's got its moments. That's yeah. for sure. Oh man. Well, let's move on. I think we're, we're about at that point. Are we not, Brian? Stop looking yes. at your phone. Do you stop looking at your phone? Do you want to do questions, what? or are we going? No, we're going to do. He, he wants to play the song. We're yeah, just going to we'll jump straight to the song. I think so. I mean, sure, probably be better. Yeah. Did we want to talk about the single a little bit before, and then how about nope. hit us with it, and then we'll talk about it? Okay. Cool. 
<laughs> I like it that way a little more. Yeah, so I, I like, like that. one of my one of my things. It's a little bit of a pet peeve, but when at songwriters rounds, they'll explain the song before, and I'm like, just give me the song. I, I want to get my experience I experience from it. Experience yeah. it myself. That's like someone like telling you what a movie's about. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want me to put this over there to maybe get a little more? Yeah, do you want to like double mic it? If you want, probably be better. That might be Since better. We do not have. Just I'll uh, move over this oh, way, and then I can put this one near there. That can be there, and then I can. There we are pros at this. Oh, uh, true. Well, we haven't hey. had this before yet, so we're gonna learn with you. All right. Are you ready? Yep. Sure. Right. Hit us. Yeah. Here we go. You're five years old So many questions How do angels fly? Why can't I feel the wind? Your daddy tries to solve them But you don't understand Cause You're five years old So many questions Yeah, she's sweet sixteen And you're wondering how to get that beautiful girl Where do you begin? You don't know how to handle that butterfly feeling Cause she's sweet 16 And you're one It doesn't matter where you are You can't ever see that far But you feel there's something moving Cause change is coming Oh, change is coming Doesn't matter big or small It comes around for us all Change is coming Now you're 19 Don't know who you wanna be In a little run-down apartment Down on 47th Street you're getting your degree in philosophy Still flipping burgers at Burger King But next thing you know, you're turning 23 Then you look up, and now you're 42 Yeah, you're saving for your daughter's college When she just started high school Then you believe she's got a family of her own Grandsons asking questions of what you don't know Cause you're 62 Around, around it goes Cause change is coming Oh, change is coming Doesn't matter big or small It comes around for us all Change is coming Oh, change is coming you're 91, dreaming I'm moving on You take your last breath and now you're gone You're soaring high up in the sky High above the clouds and you realize You finally know how angels fly You finally know how angels fly Cause change is coming Oh, change is coming 
Does it matter, big or small? It comes around for us all. Change is kind. Oh, change is coming. Oh, change is coming. Yeah! Oh, yeah! That is awesome. I yeah. love that so much. So that's going to be your next one released this Friday. So yep. the 25th, right? Yep. It's October 25th. It should be out by the time this podcast comes yep. out. So go check it out. For sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to hear it. Yeah. yeah like the, 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 the whole recording. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said it's still stripped down, though, right? Yeah, it's still... It's just like that, except it recorded at Columbia Studio A. So yeah. a little bit... You know, different of a quality. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, no. We, we have the best quality. Oh, no, with we, our, have, with <laughs> we have $10,000 yeah, microphones. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, one question about the song. So I was, uh, I, I tend to be very bad about when I listen to music. I never pay attention to lyrics and I always just listen to the music. But I did this time. I made a point of being like, all right, I got to listen to the lyrics. because I will just fade out and listen to the music. The yeah. Yeah. Uh, being a guitarist myself, I saw very jazzy chords yeah. in there that oh, are yeah. a lot of seventh it. chords. In, like yeah. mm-hmm. Do you feel, how is it, is it difficult to integrate that into like a pop song? Um, I draw a lot of inspiration from people like John Mayer, and mm-hmm. he, he uses a lot of jazz and improvisational oh, yeah. chords. And I don't think it necessarily does not fit the pop sort of genre. I mean, if you look at R&B, they use all sorts of chords, oh, yeah. all sorts of things, and I think going beyond just the normal one, five, four, the, the normal basic chords that you normally would hear is sort of stretching the boundaries of any particular genre, and that's something that I like, and I like that sort of just pushing of that pop genre, that singer songwriter pop and not having to use the basic chords that everyone else uses, you know? Yeah. yeah. I want to really define a little different of a style. That's like what goes back to what we were saying earlier about how like there is a, a bare a boundary that you could work in, but also change that comes from pushing that boundary. And... Yeah. Yeah, change I mean, hey, it. Hey, brought it yeah. up again. <laughs> no, I mean, the, ball circle. The song itself, I mean, in terms of its form, is the same form as you'd hear on the radio: verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus. But it's the variation on that that makes it different. It's definitely that jazzy quality that you hear, but it's not necessarily jazzy. I I, I hear it as sort of like a just an, a different element. Yeah. You know? Well, granted, you did something which uh, that the, in your verses, I'm going to hate myself for saying this. Uh, producer Max Martin does. Hey, you brought a Max Martin <laughs> this time. Sorry, hey. we bring him. Uh, he brings him up every single episode, but uh, it's a drinking game. Yeah, we, we, apparently. Yeah. Uh, you, but you did one of the techniques that I see he does all the time, which is uh, your verses are, are the same melody, but you have different rhythm structure for a lot of those those uh, the the lyrics that you're singing oh johnny you know, i'm so happy oh go fuck yourself look at you uh, 
breaking it down like a Max Martin song. I know, this is love great. it. No, and I, I, I realized that, and I, and I think that, and plus adding in also like those jazzy chords. So you are wor- literally what we talked about, working within the constraint of mm-hmm. a verse, chorus, yes. verse, chorus, and making it sound so different. Yeah, and making it sound like it's not just your standard song. It's beautiful. Well, I, I think one of the things is in that second verse, really varying the rhythms of things mm. in particular, because I feel like at the first stages and the song sort of catalogs how we all grow up and grow old and how, you know, there's that connection between young and old because it has that turnaround. You finally know how angels fly at the end, which mm. is a direct callback to the first verse. And so oh, I didn't even notice. I'm gonna yeah. have to, I'm gonna have to angels go fly? back to how go back angels... to listen when when it comes out. It says, "How do angels fly? Why can I feel the wind?" And then in the final cor- or in the final verse, it says, "I find you finally know how angels fly." Oh. So it sort of has that connection. But uh, in terms of the song itself, the first and second verse, you're sort of at this certain pace, right? And the song is not completely in a perfect BPM for a reason. It's not in a particular beat. Um, it, our lives get more fast-paced as time goes on. <laughs> and when you're five years old, it starts off a little bit slower. You know, you're, and you have a simpler sort of approach towards life. And so the lyrics are simpler. And so it gets a little bit more complex in the second verse, but not much. I mean, you're a high school kid. You still think like a five-year-old. Yeah. And then... <laughs> Once you finally get to college, it starts getting a lot more fast-paced. Yeah. And you feel the guitar moving a little bit more. You feel the vocal moving a lot wow. more. And then finally, when you become an adult, when you're finally out of college and you have your own kid, it just gets... The vocal goes up and has a different melody. The guitar is, you know, definitely playing a completely different rhythm. And it's just... Those changes in the song reflect the changes in the lives. Oh, I love that. And so... God, yeah. That's so thought out. That's that was, so cool. That was a production choice that really sort of came over time through these songwriter rounds, um, trying out different, you know, methods of playing the song. Because you could just play the chords if you wanted to. But the way that you play those chords affects how the listener is going to hear it. Mm. And it really can affect how the overall message of the song comes across. Yeah. And so I think that sort of that build and then that drop really has a huge profound impact. And when the full production of changes is done, cause I'll do it with full band and everything for the EP. Uh, this is just a special version of it. Acoustic yeah. for the single. And when I do it full version, I mean, it'll still have that dynamic feel. It'll still be out of time. I don't want to lose that. You yeah. know, that's something I want to keep. Well, well, so is it hard coming from a church background? I know <sighs> you work on, I don't know about your church, but where I played it, we, it, the, 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 uh, what do you call it? A metronome was, the law in order it's that you yeah. always play with a metronome is it hard to not play with one well actually you, with a song like that i think a good comparison is that our church never used a metronome really yeah all right then our, that might be it was sort of a unique thing because jack mooring and, and michael w smith and leland they all are very particular on the feel of worship and yeah. sort of the the smoothness of how things work and so just that natural holy spirit sort of thing yeah. and so they they really focus on rather than if something keeps in straight time that's great but some things aren't meant to work in straight time we don't constantly work every day in straight time you know nice. we go in and out of different paces like when we're going to bed you don't want to hear edm playing at 140 bpm you know and then you know 
when you're trying to get work done, you don't want to hear someone you loved by Louis Capaldi. Yeah. You want to hear something upbeat. So yeah. it it's sort of those production choices sort of match how we experience things in life. Well, what I love about that, and I think I feel like I've brought this up before. I like to give examples. The uh, uh, Paul McCartney's or the Beatles yesterday is an awesome example of that because yeah. uh, the song starts off minor. The chords are minor, which minor chords sound sad. So it's like yesterday. I know it just made me laugh. I was like, yes, they do. I'm explaining it for the non-music music people. I know it just made me laugh. All right, but. Um, uh, it's like yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away, and it's like sad. But but then the end of that is, but I was it? But I believe in yesterday, and it ends in a major yep. because yep. that line "I believe in yesterday" is a positive. Yep. Con- and it's just, that the fact that that's thought out, just like crazy, and like it's those little things making your music match what you're saying. Yep. That's that's good production. Yeah, I love it. Oh man. And and that that song is beautiful. It's a great song. Man. I appreciate it. No, yeah. Very appreciate good. You. Uh, I think I'm good. Is there anything How do you else? Feel? I'm feeling pretty good. How do you yeah. feel? I feel great. You feel good? <laughs> She's like, I'm ready to have go. Fun. <laughs> I know. I have myself a Stella. I'm nice and good. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm having fun. It's just chill. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Thank you well, for hanging out. So give a shout out, plug, do do all the the, the artist plugging. Oh, the artist plug. Oh, stuff. you got to. Yeah. Well, you can find me at J Four Sings at all the different um, social medias: Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that. It's, and that is the letter J. And then number four. Yep, at yep. J Four Sings, and you can find me pretty much everywhere. Uh, I think I still have a MySpace. If you're on MySpace, hell yeah, oh, nice. Yep, and website. You can find me at J Four Official. So that's the number or the letter J, the number four official dot com. So that's my official website, and you can sign up for the email list on there to keep up to date on all stuff pertaining to my music. And then in terms of the new single coming out, find me at J4 uh, on Spotify and look up Changes J4 and hopefully you'll find me. Hell yeah. Yeah, I hope. And then, yeah, and on your website you can see dates for when you're going to be playing out, right? Yes, you can see all of the dates that I'm playing out as well as all the music updates that will be happening over the next few months. There's a lot going on and I'm super excited about all of it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Love it. What? There's more in the pipe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesse, it, it, it was. We we just had an episode where we were talking about like the last 25 episodes that we've done, and we just. And one of the points we made was we had a couple people on that had no music out, and now all of a sudden they have a bunch of music out. Yeah. It's just fun to watch that progression as it goes. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, well, guys, thank you for listening. As always, give us some likes. Damn it. On Likes, social media. Five stars. Five, all the five follow, stars. Follow us on Spotify. Be, click the little follow button. Click the five stars button on Apple. Apple, right? Yep. I don't have that Apple. Yeah. I'm not rich enough for that Apple shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I go to the doctor all the time. That's why I didn't go to college. And I don't know who I am. Christ. Bringing it back. All right. Uh, yes. Give us likes. That existential crisis Jeez. we were talking existential about. Existential crisis. <laughs> it's still it's still around. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, but uh, yes, and um, 
We have some great episodes coming up. I know we do. We have a if lot. If you of haven't good heard, stuff. if this is the very first episode you ever heard, because you came for J Four, listen to our older episodes. We have some great artists then too. Yeah, we Find did. some new music and listen to our top ten list. We have a good top ten list. J Four, I want to have I you do. back. Brian doesn't really. Johnny could suck it. <laughs> J Four, we want to have you back for, for sure. For, for, for sure, a, do for a topic because that'd be really cool. Yeah, I'd love because you have a lot of cool. Thoughts and stuff and, on that, yeah. and your experiences and inputs are going to be invaluable. For yeah, I'd definitely yeah. love to come back. I mean, yeah. y'all are awesome. Appreciate yeah. that, man. Yeah, this podcast I, we know, is great. No so. <laughs> uh, we did good. We did good. This was good. Are we good? Um, are we good? I, I think, think we're, we're good. good. I think we're all good. right. Good. So as always, the sign off, guys. You can't drink at school, but you can drink, drink with us. us and also, Cheers. tear up them floors. <laughs> Let's tear up them <laughs> floors. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.